2: Good evening tonight. Somewhere, former mob boss John Gotti rotting in his grave must be smiling because the president of the United States is now on record attacking a former close associate for cooperating with law enforcement and praising a convicted felon for staying silent, perhaps even thinking about rewarding that silence with a pardon. Today, we heard the president put silence and loyalty to him seemingly above truth in the law. He spoke out against flipping, as he calls it, even as it was reported that another Trump friend and associate flipped and received federal immunity, David Pecker, the tabloid publisher who who bought and buried Playboy model Karen McDougal's story of a long affair with Mr. Trump. The president also belittled his own attorney general, Jeff Sessions, yet again, and said that impeachment proceedings would reduce Americans to poverty. His remarks came during a conversation with Fox in which he had high praise, of course, for himself.
3: So I give myself an A+. I don't think any president has ever done what I've done in this short. We haven't even been two years.
2: The president also went on to warn about what he believes would happen if he were ever impeached.
3: I don't know how you can impeach somebody who's done a great job. I'll tell you what, if I ever got impeached, I think the market would crash. I think everybody would be very poor.
2: Well, as for some of the factors that might lead to his impeachment or expose him to legal liability, President Trump again claimed that buying the silence of two women during the closing days of the campaign was not against the law, even though his former longtime attorney, Michael Cohen, has now pleaded guilty to exactly that, saying he broke the law at the president's direction. In the interview released today, the president continued to try to distance himself from his former lawyer
3: didn't do big deals, did small deals. Uh, Not somebody that was with me that much. You know, they make it sound like I didn't live with without him. Well,
2: the president went on to talk about what he called flipping people who make plea deals, confessing to crimes. In other words, the kind of things that mob bosses never liked very much either.
3: You know, they make up stories. People make up stories. This whole thing about uh, flipping, they call it. I know all about flipping for 30, 40 years. I've been watching flippers Everything's wonderful. And then they get 10 years in jail and they they flip on whoever the next highest one is or as high as you can go. It, it almost ought to be outlawed.
2: It almost ought to be outlawed, cooperating with law enforcement, confessing. And what about the old mafia term, omerta? staying silent? Well, the president
3: seems to like that a lot. And one of the reasons I respect Paul Manafort so much is he went through that trial.
4: Are you considering pardoning Paul Manafort?
3: Uh, I have great respect for what he's done in terms of what he's gone through.
2: What he went through, for the record, is a federal trial on 18 counts of tax evasion and bank fraud in which a jury of his peers convicted him of eight felony counts carrying possibly decades of prison time. And he's got another federal trial coming up soon. Paul Manafort is a convicted felon, an eight-time loser, to use a term the president usually uses, a serial lawbreaker, a man who cheated taxpayers out of millions of dollars, in the eyes of the president, though, he's a stand-up guy, a friend of ours, as they used to say in the mob. More now on that interview and the other big news out of the White House. Cena Jim Acosta joins us. So I understand you're learning more about the advice the President's getting about issuing pardons related to the Russia investigation.
5: Oh, that's right, Anderson. I've been told uh, by a source familiar with legal discussions inside the president's legal team uh, that he has been advised for months now to uh, avoid any pardons in the Russia investigation, including for Paul Manafort. Uh, It's interesting uh, to point out, Anderson, that earlier uh, this evening, the Washington Post was reporting uh, that Rudy Giuliani had told them that in just the last several weeks, uh, Rudy Giuliani has had to talk the president out of pardoning Paul Manafort, saying that that should wait uh, at least being considered uh, until after the Russia investigation is over. What's interesting about all of that, Anderson, is that yesterday here at the White House, the White House press secretary, uh, Sarah Sanders, apparently was giving us a false or incomplete information, information that did not add up when she said that uh, a, a pardon was not under discussion, has not been under discussion. And then this evening, Anderson, she put out a statement saying the, this pardon is not something being discussed in the White House, and the president has not made a decision on pardoning Paul Manafort or anyone else. Well, Uh, Just because the discussion is not happening inside the White House, Anderson, doesn't mean it's happening in other places. It could have happened up at Bedminster or anywhere else. And so it's interesting to see the White House sort of parsing its words on this issue. Uh, Clearly, Anderson, from talking to the source that I've been uh, talking with about all of this, uh, this is something that has been under discussion. It's something that's been on the president's mind, and it appears it's been on the president's mind lately as well. It's also incredible to hear the president yet
2: again go after Attorney General Jeff Sessions, You know, going after him in that interview, and we're going to
5: talk more about it later. But where do things stand tonight on on that? Well, you heard what he said earlier this morning on Fox where he said, what kind of man is this? Uh, Once again, uh, seizing on this uh, recusal that Jeff Sessions uh, decided to go with early on in the administration to stay out of the russia investigation that has obviously been under the president's skin ever since then and once again uh, the president went after jeff sessions what changed today anderson and i think this was something of a watershed moment in this relationship this punching bag relationship with the president constantly beating up on jeff sessions is that jeff sessions fired back the attorney general showing what a lot of people in washington have been waiting for for a long time which is some independence which is what the justice department should have from this White House and saying that what he decides to do over at the Justice Department will be independent of political considerations over at the White House, uh, something a lot of people in this city have been waiting for a long time. Mm-hmm.
2: Jim Acosta, appreciate it. Thanks very much. A lot to talk about. Joining us, three people who have seen just about everything, including all this, David Gergen, Access TV's Dan Rather, and investigative reporter Carl Bernstein. Um, Dan, I mean, I've been reading some of your tweets today. You're suggesting Martin Scorsese should, should direct the movie of, of the, the Trump presidency uh, with his familiarity with Goodfellas and stuff. What do you make of what you just the last couple of days alone?
6: Well, we move ever deeper into kind of political theater of the absurd, And I did suggest that Martin Scorsese might be the person to do the Donald Trump bi- bi- biopic. Uh, he's had Goodfellas Gangs of New York. Or you might want to turn to the people who did the Sopranos, but in the case of Scorsese, and I say this only half in jest, that he's had a lot of experience of bringing these kinds of characters to film, so he should do the biopic. But now, on a serious note, I mean, this whole Trump era has moved into a completely different position now. That, I, by my own analysis, let me say my own opinion, I think before the last forty-eight. To maybe 60 hours, that there was setting in a kind of outrage fatigue in the country, just saying, "Well, it's Trump." I mean, I can't think about that anymore. But the Manafort um, guilty verdict and the Cohen guilty plea, I think, changed the dynamic into a much more dangerous period for Donald Trump personally and politically, for the American presidency, and therefore for for the country. Uh, But I do use the word absurd. What else can you say about it? You know, I I think with you on several occasions going back a month, maybe a year, I suggested to what was happening in the Trump era was worthy of a, a Shakespeare play or perhaps something by the ancient Greeks. But it's moved into a whole different era now. And I do find that when one tweets any suggestion about gangster movies, a gangster connection here... Uh, that that seems to resonate with the public. So I don't think there's the outrage fatigue anymore. I think people are centered on this. I know there are going to be Trump people who say, well, people out there in the country and fly over America don't care. I don't believe that for a second. Because Americans, whether they're Trump supporters or not, some who down on their core believe that the American presidency should be about honor and integrity. And it's very hard to see what's been happening these last few days and hear what the president is saying trying to move us into the belief that truth is not truth crime is not crime facts are not facts right. uh the american people have a lot of common sense and it may be a long time coming i myself think it's far too early to talk about impeachment as long as the republicans control at least the senate and have effective control of the supreme court i don't think there's going to be any impeachment but this story is yet to unfold yeah in its, in its full and and, and and
2: david i mean you to to, to dan's point uh, the president of the United States now, you know, truth is not truth, crime is not crime. The president is now saying, you know, people who confess to crimes are flippers, and that ought to be out, almost ought to be outlawed because it's not fair. Um, people who admit what they've done is wrong, people who stay silent and and, and you know fight and go through a trial and then get convicted as felons, um, they're stand-up people.
7: I, I think, Anderson, that, that all four of us here tonight would, would agree that it's deeply offensive to have a president of the United States who is our guardian of our legal justice system. He's the foremost protector of, of the law, rule of law in the country. So blatantly disagree and dis, dismantle much of what we believe or undermine it, much of what we believe. But I do agree very much also with with Dan's analysis that the dynamics have been changed. Uh D- Donald Trump, you know, is a control freak in many ways. He wants to control everything and he controlled this epic battle against Mueller for month after month because he alone had the platform and Mueller couldn't speak. We've talked about that before. But Mueller has now had a chance to speak in the courtrooms and 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 I think increasingly now Trump is losing control of the narrative, and Mueller is taking it away from him. And you can already see it in a Fox poll that came out today. It was fascinating because in July, the, when you ask Americans, do you approve or disapprove of the Mueller investigation? In Fox poll, it was 48 approve, 40 disapprove. Today, this week, it's 59 percent approve. It's gone from 48 to 59, and the disapprove has gone from 40 to 37. So I think you can see... The power of the courtroom can change the dynamics, and Mueller is holding a lot of cards. We don't even know, know what they are, and Trump himself must be panicked because he doesn't know what the cards, the cards are, and he lo- has lost control.
2: Although, Carl, I mean, how many times have we been, on, you know, been, been at points where we've said this is an inflection point in the presidency, this is a tipping point, a turning point, whatever the phrase you want to use, and yet, you know, it just continues on.
8: Here's what's different. We have now seen in its naked ugliness the instinctive lawlessness of this president of the United States and that the sewage, uh, the stench of the sewage seeping from, from the White House swamp is starting to, to waft across the country. It's becoming tangible. There has been a change. Uh, And I think people are now getting a look at the real Donald Trump in a way uh, that is taking the blinders off some eyes, not enough eyes among the Republicans in Congress, Uh, his enablers and protectors uh, through these awful months of his presidency. We're also seeing great examples of his incompetence. Uh, The rails are starting to come off. Visibly, you hear it in the halls of Congress, in private from Republicans, but a few of them uh, suggesting it in public in ways that they that they have not. Uh, we're we're into a new era uh, of the Trump presidency, uh, in which he is not only not in control in the way uh, of his authoritarian instincts. His authoritarian instincts are starting to fail him because. Too many people are on to those authoritarian instincts, and they frighten people. They frighten what he is trying to do to this country, its traditions, and its institutions of justice. And remember, in every despotic, tyrannical country that the leader has tried to seize the institutions of justice and undermine the press as the real means of controlling through authoritarianism. And people are starting to realize that. But, Dan,
2: I'm just the, the lies. I mean, it's, you know, whether something is against the law or not, and, and you know, we've had people arguing, you know, on good people on all sides of the political aisle arguing law, and that's an important thing. But just the lies. I mean, you talk about the swamp. This is at the heart of the swamp. And the, the lies, it, they, it, just the number of lies is overwhelming.
6: And this is a good example of how much has changed in the American political landscape. The word lies has been used in describing much of what Donald Trump has said for quite a while now. This is something new. Previous to this, everybody, including the press, was extremely reluctant to say anybody else had told a lie, much less a president of the United States. But President Trump has so clearly adopted the attitude, if I, Donald Trump, say it, No matter how big a lie, and the word is just, no matter how big a lie it is, it isn't going to matter. You know, there have been books written about the effect of the big lie technique by authoritarian leaders going far back in in history. Mm. And much of what President Trump has been doing is a version of the big lie, which is to say, tell a lie, know it's untrue, but given the bully puppet puppet that is the president's... And repeat it over and over. And 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 repeat it over and over and over. It's one reason he tweets so much. He bombards it, and he counts on the, the power of the presidency to persuade and influence. So he, he feels, and I wonder if he still feels it, given the events of the last couple of days. But he felt it, where he was kind of invincible, that he could say any damn thing he pleased. And if he said it often enough, people were going to believe it. I would think, to use a poker phrase, that now he's checking his whole cards about that as he's increasingly cornered and he's called to account on these lies.
2: Well, David Gergen, the the fact that David Pecker of uh, AMI, uh, American Media Incorporated, which owns the National Enquirer and and a bunch of other uh, sort of tabloid-like magazines, that he, in Donald Trump's term, flipped uh, and was cooperating with federal prosecutors along with Michael Cohen, I mean, that's pretty stunning. I mean, David Pecker there's no telling how many files David Pecker has on the the man who's now the president of the United States. There's no telling how many catch and kill stories or, you know, sleazy things that David Pecker has access to that he has on the president.
7: That's absolutely right, Anderson. It's one of the reasons the president, I think, is so concerned and upset and, and panicked. We hear these continuing reports from inside the White House to that effect Uh, and because he has lost control. And one of the harsh lessons in life is that loyalty runs both ways. And Donald Trump is a guy who's never been loyal down. He's only loyal to himself uh, and he cuts people loose. And now people are turning on him and they're they're disclaiming their loyalty to him. They're breaking their 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 bonds with him uh, to save themselves. Uh, And I think that has made it particularly dangerous. But let me emphasize one other thing is he's, he can still cling on to office a lot longer than people think. This sure. is not I don't think that he's right. down and out yet. He's down, but he's not out. And, you know, a lot still is going to depend on what Mueller has ultimately on the collusion question.
2: Well, the other thing, and, and we want to we'll discuss this when we come back, because we've got to take a quick break, is we have never seen Donald Trump truly cornered with his back against the wall and truly down. Right. And we have no idea what he is capable of, uh, for, for better or for worse, when truly cornered. Um, and that's something, obviously, you know, we, we may come to witness, we may not. Coming up next, we'll talk more about the attorney general, how much longer he might be the attorney general. And later, one of the president's earliest congressional supporters, now the latest alleged felon, Duncan Hunter, will tell you about his day in court.
1: Visit Zenny today at Zenny.com slash CNN. That's Z-E-N-N-I dot com slash CNN.
2: More now on President Trump's latest shots at the guy who, along with being his favorite punching bag, you'd be surprised to learn, is also the distinguished attorney general of the United States of America.
3: I put an attorney general that never took control of the Justice Department, Jeff Sessions, never took control of the Justice Department. And uh, it's a sort of an incredible thing. The president also said the only reason he appointed Jeff
2: Sessions is that he supported him during the campaign. The two have been at odds ever since the attorney general accused himself from the, the Russia probe. He put out a statement reading, quote, while I am attorney general, the actions of the Department of Justice will not be improperly influenced by political considerations. I demand the highest standards and where they are not met, I take action. As we've been reporting tonight, just how long he remains in the job. That's, of course, an open question. Joining us again, David Gergen, Dan Rather and, and Carl Bernstein. Um, Dan, it is incredible. Jeff Sessions has probably done more than anyone else in this administration to execute the president's agenda. I mean, getting judges through confirmation process. The fact that he is the person the president is focused on with such mockery constantly is extraordinary.
6: Well, it's the ultimate irony. And you're dead right. The sessions has done more to advance the Trump agenda, not only with judges, but in other ways than anybody I can think of in the administration. But the fact that President Trump uses him as what you call the punching bag all the time, I think tells us a lot because it raises anew the question that none of us can answer now. If President Trump is not guilty of anything, then why does he act like he's guilty? By doing such things as saying, well, if Sessions had told me he was going to recuse himself about the Russian probe, that this is this is eerie, and I, I, I'm prepared to say there's n- never been anything quite like it in the history of the American presidency. My friend David Gergen, who's a presidential scholar and served in all kinds of White Houses, might know. But there's been nothing like this.
2: Carl, I want to read you something because it's, it's something that is very close to stuff you and I have talked about before, and I want to hear your thoughts on it. Something Dan actually tweeted yesterday. He said, the question as we enter the next chapter in the fate of this nation lies not in the actions of the president as much as in the GOP leaders and party faithful who seem determined to explain away criminality for their own cynical grip on power. Carl, you pointed out about Watergate that in the end it was Republicans finally Uh, which turned the tide, do you, other than than some Republicans saying things, you know, whispering and, uh, you know, you still don't hear an awful lot of folks going on the record, even, you know, Speaker Ryan, you know, his response to the Michael Cohen, uh, you know, uh, guilty uh, pleading was basically, oh, well, we need more information.
8: Well, Ryan is a great example of the most craven leadership of a political party that I think I've ever seen uh, in all the years that that I've been covering uh, politics. Uh, The fact is, there are two things going on at once, and they're running on parallel tracks. The Republicans in Washington, who have shown no inclination and probably won't show any inclination to have any kind of spine uh, until after the midterm elections. Uh, But also, we have to look at who Trump's constituency is. He still commands 80, 90 percent approval uh, of those people in this country who call themselves Republicans. And that's a huge difference between now and Watergate. In Watergate, when Nixon left office, perhaps 50, 52 percent of the people, according uh, of Republicans, according to the polls, uh, approved of of Nixon still. Uh, Disapproval rating of of Trump's is extraordinary. And he is the president of his base during a cold civil war in this country. And he has brought that cold civil war to the point of ignition. And when we talk about the danger of the next few months, uh, that cold civil war is fraught because he is intent on doing whatever he has to do to hold on to these powers, to hold on to his presidency. Uh, and his followers uh, are, are indeed, many of them, ready to stand behind anything that he does. Uh, and that's the extraordinary difference between, uh, one of the extraordinary differences between the period of Watergate and now, because the behavior and conduct as demonstrated uh, by Donald Trump uh, is so far beyond, What would have been approved in 1974 uh, by Republicans, voters and uh, representatives in Congress alike. That's the real difference. And we'll have to wait for the midterms to see if anything changes.
7: David, do you agree with that? Uh, yes, I'm, I agree with most of that. And uh, listen, I think for all of us here, uh, this Republican Party is increasingly unrecognizable. It has become the Trump Party. And because of what many consider the cowardice of Republican leaders, uh, if Trump goes down, this party may go down with him. You know, they, they, uh, the, the values that they're setting forth, their unwillingness to face up to realities, the, 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 the way they pay no attention to scientific evidence on various things like climate change there's a whole range of things now the way this tax bill has been presented there are a whole range of things now which I think is going to leave this party in serious serious trouble with especially with minorities of course but increasingly with women and very much so with millennials. you know, so they're going to pay a price for this if they don't if they don't change soon start drawing some red lines very clear red lines I look I think the consensus coming out of what is happening with Jeff sessions today in the, in the hill in the Senate is that he may well be removed from office after the midterms. And we're now building toward a climax after the midterms, in which there's a very real danger that Sessions will be out and that Trump is going to fire Mueller or put somebody in to close down the Mueller investigation. And the Republicans have to help protect the special counsel now. And if if he gets fired without the Republicans making that protection, they're going to be responsible. They're going to be Mm-hmm. jointly responsible for dismantling this uh, this investigation.
2: David Gergen, uh, Carl Bernstein, Dan Rather, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Good to thank have you. you all. Thank uh, you. Next, we've, uh, we've touched on this already. Reporting the longtime Trump friend and ally David Pecker was granted immunity, gave prosecutors information in the Michael Cohen case. Our legal experts weigh in on the possible significance of this in a moment. Remember, to
1: create an ad like
2: this one, visit
1: purewinning.com
2: slash CNN. We mentioned it at the top. The man who kept some of Donald Trump's secrets, and no doubt other people's secrets as well, has cut a deal with the feds. According to the Wall Street Journal, David Pecker, head of the company that publishes the National Enquirer, was granted immunity in the Michael Cohen investigation. In court Tuesday, Cohen said, I and the CEO of a media company, at the request of the candidate, worked together to squelch stories effectively implicating Trump himself. That company is AMI, which published in the Enquirer, and David Pecker, it now, uh, now seems clear, is the David on the tape that Michael Cohen made just before the election discussing the possibility of getting the rights to Karen McDougall's story, which were already bought by AMI in a catch and kill deal just before the election?
8: Um, I need to open up a company for the transfer of all of that info regarding our friend David, you know, so that I'm going to do that right away. I've actually come up and I've, spoken to, me. And I've spoken to Alan Weisselberg about how to set the whole thing up uh, with so are we funding. That, uh, yes. Um, and it's all the stuff, all the stuff, because, you know, you never know where that company, no, you never you know, know where he's no going to be. Gets it, Correct. So I'm, I'm all over that. And I spoke to Alan about it. When it comes time for the financing, which will be... Some, what financing? Well, I'll have to pay you. So. you pay, okay. No, 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 no. I got... No, no, no. Hey, no, how are you?
2: Well, Alan Weisselberg is the Trump Organization's chief financial officer. David is David Pecker, Mr. Cohen, and the candidate apparently talking about the Karen McDougal catch-and-kill arrangement. So there's additional reporting by the Associated Press that the National Enquirer kept a safe containing documents on hush money payments and other damaging stories that it killed as part of its relationship with Donald Trump. Here to talk about all of it, CNN legal analyst Jeffrey Tubin and Ann Milgram. Uh, Jeff, you wrote a lengthy piece in The New Yorker, as I recall, yes. about... David Pecker I did. about so what do you make of this and about this idea that there's a safe I mean the potential information
9: that David Pecker or AMI or National Enquirer would have on Donald Trump is is, enor- de- is enormous and and you know David Pecker was very open with me including talking about Karen McDougal saying look we supported Donald Trump and I wanted to help him by making this deal with Karen McDougal that. Um, may, you know, it's, it's certainly not unlawful to support a candidate. That's what magazines do. But um, getting involved financially in giving, in, in buying silence for, uh, in return for, as a political a favor is potentially a, bi- a big problem. It's part of what uh, Michael Cohen pleaded guilty to. We obviously know there are these two hush money deals, but inside this safe you know, it is certainly a possible that there's more in there. If And if David Becker got immunity in the Cohen
2: situation, does that mean it would be, or I don't know if we know this, it would be a blanket immunity for anything? And we don't, would he we don't cooperate yet. in any case with prosecutors?
4: Yeah, I mean... I- what I would assume is that he's been given immunity to have any conversations with them. I would assume that he has basically refused to walk in because he would incriminate himself. As Jeff right. said, if he's paying money and if it's related to the political campaign, he's potentially guilty of a crime. So I think what happened here is he saw that liability and he refused to even walk in the door without a grant of immunity. So if he had any sense and a decent lawyer, they would have basically said he wants immunity on all and, these and,
9: and I'm sure I'm sure that's right. And And so he is now... Free of prosecution from both the Southern District of New York, which did the Michael Cohen investigation, as well as the Mueller investigation, which, you know, are starting increasingly to bleed together. But if so, if he if
2: if it seems logical that he walks in with a grant of just blanket immunity, would the Southern District attorneys ask him about other cases I, not related to my have to, Cohen.
9: i have to believe that. i agree i have that they certainly would be free to do that and you know given the scope of the relationship between trump and uh, and uh, uh pecker it, it's got to be um you know it's it's a lot to talk about because they go back to the 80s together and um you know the 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 the, the inquirer was an organ of support for for Trump in in a really extravagant way. I mean, right. The I mean, they, they, they were anti-Ted Cruz stories. Right. Uh, another thing.
4: Remember also that the government doesn't just give out immunity. You can't just walk in and say, "Hey, you know, I'm potentially guilty of a crime. I want immunity." They had to make proffers, which means that they had to go in and the lawyers had to go in and say, "Here's what we know, and here's what we would say, and here's why we want immunity." So the government already probably has some of this information, or at least some sense of the but scope of But It might have been improper,
9: know. just as related to Michael Cohen. Correct. It, it might have been, but but that but that's a very important point that it's making that that you know you, you have to show the government you have something worthwhile before they'll give you immunity because it's a big deal to give immunity to someone because you are potentially avoiding prosecution of, of serious crimes so the fact that they gave him immunity suggests that pecker has something serious that they need
2: the interview that the president gave which aired uh, this morning uh, in which he talked about, uh, the, first of all, the campaign finance violations of Michael Cohen, that they weren't really campaign finance related. Uh, he well, he about, said they weren't crimes. He weren't that they weren't crimes. Yeah. Uh, and because it wasn't campaign money. Um, and, and also that he talked about flippers as being something that should almost be outlawed. Did that make any
9: sense to you? Well, I mean, it's, it's really, you know, we, we, I, I, it's hard to be shocked by stuff that Donald Trump says. But, you know. All of federal law enforcement, just about, is based on the idea of building cases from the bottom up. You get lower and middle level people to plead guilty and cooperate. That's how all... are almost... I mean, that's what courts exist for. Well, and that's how you get the heads of organized crime families. That's how you get... Uh, the leaders of drug groups. You know, the, the president is is very big in talking about how evil MS-13 is, this gang from Central America. Well, the only way they prosecute people from MS-13 is by using flippers. So the idea that there is something sinister about flippers just because it led to the conviction of paul manafort is really surreal
4: i agree and and the thing to remember is that the people who flip and cooperate they plead guilty to crimes they are sentenced they get a benefit which actually in the end is a benefit on sentencing it can be good but it's still as a rule they they do a lot of time on the crimes that Mm. they've committed
2: and milgram jeff Tupin, thanks very much coming up why is the president suddenly interested in south african land policy and could it have anything to do with the fox news report and a white nationalist talking point Whatever the reason, the information he tweeted about uh, was wrong. We're keeping him honest next.
0: I'm Andy Cass with
1: March Madness 365, and on this edition of our show, I'll be joined by Syracuse's
7: Tyus Battle. I've been just trying to improve all facets of my game, just being able to be more offensive, throwing the ball different ways, shooting the ball, I think that's improved, and uh, just my playmaking ability as well.
0: Subscribe to March Madness 365 now at Apple Podcasts and
9: Spotify.
2: Well, the president is all of a sudden concerned about South Africa, or more accurately, concerned about some of the white people in South Africa. Apparently, after watching a segment on Fox News, the president tweeted, and I quote, I've asked Secretary of State Pompeo to closely study the South Africa land and farm seizures and expropriations and the large-scale killing of farmers. South African government is now seizing land from white farmers. And he tagged Tucker Carlson and Fox News in the tweet. That is since uh, since that's where he seems to get a lot of his information or misinformation at times. Land reform is obviously complex, racially sensitive issue in South Africa where past policies for decades forcibly removed black South Africans from the land in favor of whites. As for the president, keeping it simple and keeping him honest, there's not, as he tweeted, large scale killing of farmers. Research from one of South Africa's largest former organizations shows it's actually reached a 20-year low, 47 killed in 2017, 2018. Obviously, it's still a high number. There's a huge crime situation in South Africa. But getting the facts wrong, it's curious that the president is suddenly interested in South Africa at all. Since the only other time as president he's tweeted anything about Africa was in September of 2017. He tweeted, "'Honored to host a luncheon for African leaders this afternoon. Great discussions on the challenges and opportunities facing our nations today.'" Four months later, he reportedly called African nations uh, S-hole countries in private meetings and suggested that Nigerians mostly live in huts. So the question is, why is the president suddenly tweeting about South African land policy, particularly relating to whites, other than the obvious reason that Tucker Carlson talked about it last night? And when he suddenly tweets about South Africa, why is it an issue regarding white South Africans? The Anti-Defamation League calls it extremely disturbing that the president is echoing a, quote, long-standing and false white supremacist claim. The South African government is also hitting back at the president, tweeting, and I quote, "...South Africa totally rejects this narrow perception, which only seeks to divide our nation and reminds us of our colonial past." Joining me now is Professor Cornel West of Harvard and Princeton, author of numerous books, including Race Matters, Black Prophetic Fire, and The Radical King. So, Dr. West, I want to get your reaction to to the former uh, ambassador of South Africa, Patrick Gaspard. He tweeted that President Trump was, quote, "...attacking South Africa with the disproven racial myth of large-scale killings of farmers." This man has never visited the continent, has no discernible Africa policy. I'm wondering if you agree with that.
0: You know, Brother Anderson, there's a wonderful line in the T.S. Eliot poem that says we're distracted by distractions. It's mm-hmm. fairly clear that he's in a panic mood. It's fairly clear that he's lying again. I have read recently he's told 4,229 lies in 558 days, so we shouldn't be surprised. The important thing is, is that he's at a moment. In these last days where it looks like brother Donald Trump, he's a gangster, racist, misogynist. He's a brother because he's made in the image of God. He's a brother because he could change. He's not a devil, but he's a human being who chooses devilish action. He's a human being who chooses to be demonic. He's reaching the end. He's meeting his match with brother Mueller. And when Mueller lays bare and discloses the facts, Donald Trump will not just be shaking in his boots, but we'll be saying goodbye. But he expresses something deep in American culture that's very important to keep in mind. I come from a people who've been on intimate terms of catastrophe and key track of gangsters. He's not all by himself. He's not isolated. He reflects something in the culture. He's got followers. So even after Donald Trump, we've got to come to terms with what produced him. Corporate elite still running running amok. Well, the... the, the, the uh, uh, Wall Street still breaking records, stock market breaking records, wealth inequality still increasing, racial divide still deep, the homophobia and the patriarchy still running amok. So it's not just getting Donald Trump out of the way, but he's on his way out, it seems to me. It's, and I think we have to keep track of his humanity as he goes out. It's
2: interesting you talk about this as a distraction, which is obviously a technique he's, he's used before. Um, but I mean, I, what do you think it says that really the first time the president has decided to comment on Issues in Africa affect. I mean, Africa is an extraordinary continent with many different countries in it. Uh, the, you know, other than that one treat about tweet about meeting with African leaders in which I think he welcomed leaders from a country that doesn't exist. He chooses to offer focus on a small population of white people in South Africa.
0: I mean, you know, he's in a, over his head, though. He, he, uh, he's he got a white supremacist tilt. There's no doubt about it. I wish he'd say something about Uganda, what's going on right now with the arrest of opposition leaders by the U.S. ally. I wish he'd say something about Yemen with the Saudi attack on those precious people, especially women and children. U.S.-supported Saudi forces doing that. So he's in over his head. I don't think we ought to t- take it too seriously because he's at this point simply just throwing whatever he can and hopes that it sticks and tries to get us away from the fact that he is going under. And I think in many ways, you think of the, uh, the, the tears of, of Fred and Ann, his mother and father. This is the son that we produced. Look at the levels of mendacity and criminality. But as a human being, he can still change. I'm not making a program on it, but I'm saying that because I don't want us to be self-righteous in our in our criticism, I think that even after Trump, we're going to have to be just as righteously uh, uh, outraged and full of indignation in terms of the wealth inequality, in terms of the prison situation, in terms of the educational inequalities, in terms of the way women are treated, gays, lesbians, trans, and especially black and brown folk. You because really once Trump leaves, the racism doesn't leave. You really believe people? Racism can change? doesn't leave, my brother. Oh, absolutely! My God. I know you can be better. I know I can be better. That that not I don't know if Brother I can Dorgan be better and enough. Woodward and rather it's hard to think of a better panel than that but everybody can be better. You see and I'm, I'm I'm not I'm a Christian not because I'm naive. I'm a Christian because I believe that we all have the capacity given our wretchedness to be better. And that's true for everybody. Right wing, left wing, center, liberal across the board. But we have to be honest and candid about our foes. Now, Donald Trump is my foe. There's no doubt about that. And we swing at each other. But even still, uh, even as a gangster that he chooses to be, I know that I got some gangster in me and I've got to try to control it. So
2: uh, this is maybe getting off topic, but so in your belief, is the key to change to acknowledging one's wretchedness
0: as in the word that you used? The key to change is to have the courage to criticize, the courage to hope and the courage to love and to bind with others to be forces of good before the worms get your body. That's the history of the species at its best. But the dominant history of the species is hatred, envy, resentment, domination, oppression. That's what's so beautiful about democracy. That's what's so beautiful about love and justice. What love looks like in public, just like tenderness. It what love feels like in private that tenderness, that love and democracy is an interruption from the dark and vicious history that so many of all of us have to wrestle with in the depths of our soul. That's what it is to be human. And let's just be honest about it. All of us stand in need of transformation. We used to say in my church, if the kingdom of God is within you, then everywhere you go, you ought to leave a little heaven behind. (laughs) How much heaven you're leaving behind? Mm -hmm. Donald Trump, not leaving too much heaven behind a whole lot of hell right now oh indeed that's why he's got to go and he will go
2: uh dr west uh it's always an education i appreciate talking to you
0: thank you so much
2: my brother you stay strong now, man. all right you too thank you want to check in with chris see what he's working on for cuomo prime time at the top of the hour chris no we don't have chris nope. oh, well. oh are you heard there? Him.
1: there
5: you are hey chris Hey, I was just playing. I heard you the whole time. No, I'm kidding, Anderson. (laughs) You know, I'm down in Washington, D.C., this strange land where nothing really works the way it would anywhere else. (laughs) So even the comms are a little screwed Uh up. So we came down here uh, for a couple of big reasons. One, there's so much in the air that the White House needs to defense. So literally, uh, Mohammed has gone to the mountain and Kellyanne Conway is going to come on from the White House and defend everything that is in the air. And it's also going to give us a chance, my friend, to meet with some of the familiar faces from those White House press briefings and get their perspective on where they think we are and where they think we are headed. So we're going to take it all on from the Capitol.
2: All right, Chris, look forward to it. That's about nine minutes from now. Uh, Coming up, Congressman Duncan Hunter entering a plea to federal charges that he and his wife misused a quarter of a million dollars in campaign funds for trips, bar tabs, vacations, and a plane ticket for a pet rabbit. The latest next.
9: Hey, it's Howard Beck, and I've got former NBA champion and current Yes analyst, Richard Jefferson on Bleacher Report's The Full 48.
1: For me, winning the championship just validated, you know, me from a standpoint of like, all I ever wanted to do was win. All I ever wanted to do was win on a high, high level. And so to get that, then it just made everything feel like it was worth it.
10: The Full 48 is
9: now available on Spotify. And of course, you can always listen and subscribe on the Bleacher Report app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Republican
2: congressman and early Trump supporter Duncan Hunter was in court today pleading not guilty to federal charges that he and his wife misused a quarter of a million dollars in campaign funds for personal expenses. A Republican aide tells CNN that Hunter has agreed to step down from his congressional committee assignments, even as he claims this is all politically motivated. The indictment is 47 pages. It alleges that Hunter and his wife falsified records, conspired with each other to use campaign funds to live well beyond their means on things like trips, restaurants and, yes, an airline ticket for a pet rabbit. And there's more. Randy Kay has details.
10: A lavish lifestyle, despite being strapped for cash. In 2015 alone, California Congressman Duncan Hunter and his wife allegedly took a family vacation to Italy that cost more than $14,000 and a trip to Hawaii for $6,500. All of it, prosecutors say, paid for with campaign funds. In the indictment, a disturbing pattern. The hunters are accused of disguising their purchases as benefiting veterans and charities. Case in point, an alleged 2015 conversation between Duncan and Margaret Hunter about buying Hawaii shorts. They'd run out of money, the indictment says, so she suggested he buy the shorts at a golf pro shop so that they could falsely describe the purchase later as some golf balls for the wounded warriors. And in an effort to justify why that lavish vacation to Italy was paid for with campaign funds, the indictment says the congressman tried setting up a tour of a U.S. naval facility during the trip. When naval officials couldn't make it work, he allegedly offered this terse response. Tell the Navy to go F themselves. Prosecutors say the couple was in such dire straits, they overdrew their bank account more than 1,100 times over seven years. The congressman, who has pleaded not guilty to the federal charges, suggested that it wasn't his fault.
7: When I joined the Marine Corps, I gave power of attorney to my wife because I
10: was gone all the time. His wife, Margaret, allegedly spent plenty too. I'll be at the campaigning for
4: him, standing in for him.
10: $200 on tennis shoes at Dick's Sporting Goods, which prosecutors say she then claimed were for a dove hunting event for wounded warriors. Also $152 on makeup at Nordstrom. Disguising it as gift basket items for the boys and girls clubs of San Diego, a $394 purchase from Macy's, prosecutors say, was listed as gift baskets too. She too has pleaded not guilty to the charges. Any accusations against
7: your wife? that'll come out in court, right? I mean, that's that's uh, that's for the court and for her and for right.
10: Was she in charge of those big charges?
7: She was uh, the campaign manager of the campaign.
10: At Costco, the hunters spent more than $11,300 in campaign funds, according to the indictment, more than $5,700 at Walmart. If everything in this 60-count indictment is true, the temerity is tough to hide. For example, the indictment says Duncan Hunter claimed a $257.40 reimbursement from campaign funds for driving his car on a trip to Virginia Beach with a fellow congressman, despite the fact that they did not use Duncan's car on that trip. He also allegedly spent more than $1,000 at a ski resort in Lake Tahoe, even though his personal bank account balance was barely $15. Duncan says he's not worried about the investigation, saying it's all just politically motivated.
7: This is modern politics and modern media um, mixed in with law enforcement that has a political agenda. When your with That's the new Department of Justice.
2: Randy joins us now. I mean, is there any evidence at all this is politically motivated? Looking through that indictment, it's hard to see.
10: No, it's certainly not in the 47-page indictment at all. But what he's saying, what Duncan Hunter is saying, is that the prosecutors who were involved in this case uh, had attended a Clinton campaign event. But sources told CNN that the guy, the prosecutor who actually chose to indict, was appointed by Attorney General Jeff Sessions last year, and there's no connection at all to the Clinton campaign or Campaign 2016. Right. He's also
2: saying this is the new Department of Justice. The new Department of Justice is run by Jeff Sessions.
10: Exactly, who appointed the guy who now has indicted him. Uh, so it's sort of an interesting circular argument that he's making. But it's worth pointing out also that his campaign treasurer, Duncan Hunter's campaign treasurer, according to the indictment, had warned him. He had said, look, you can't do this. This is against the law. You can't spend campaign funds that people have given you on yourself and your family. And he apparently, according to the indictment, if it's true, told Uh, his campaign treasurer that, well, that law is silly. That was his quote.
2: Well, it also seems like he's distancing himself from his wife in in his public comments.
10: Yeah, they had no interaction in court at all today.
2: Uh, Randy, thanks very much. We'll definitely follow that. A reminder, don't miss Full Circle, our daily interactive newscast on Facebook. It's a lot of fun. You pick some of the stories we cover. You can see it weeknight, 625 uh, p.m. Eastern on facebook.com slash Anderson Cooper, Full Circle, all one word. The news continues. want to hand it over to Chris down in D.C. Cuomo primetime starts now. Chris.